Holy Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us the beauties of life, in giving us the food we eat, life itself, the water we drink. We thank you for security, we thank you for the relative peace we enjoy. Blessed be your holy name, O Lord. Now, dear Lord, we commit ourselves unto you, asking that you would bless us with your word, grant us understanding, wisdom, knowledge, and especially help us with your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, that you would put your words in my mouth and help me, Lord, to speak as the oracles of God, that the words may sanctify, bless, and consecrate us to your service, and that we may have the image of God restored in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 27 What Made Him Great? Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Matthew chapter 11 verse 11 what was it that made John the Baptist great? He closed his mind to the mass of tradition presented by the teachers of the Jewish nation and opened it to the wisdom which comes from above. John the Baptist was not fitted for his high calling as the forerunner of Christ by association with the great men of the nation in the schools of Jerusalem. He went out into the wilderness, where the customs and doctrines of men could not mould his mind, and where he could hold unobstructed communion with God. John the Baptist was a man filled with the Holy Ghost from his birth, and if there was anyone who could remain unaffected by the corrupting influences of the age in which he lived, it was surely he. Yet. He did not venture to trust his strength. He separated himself from his friends and relatives, that his natural affections might not prove a snare to him. He would not place himself unnecessarily in the way of temptation, nor wear the luxuries of or even the conveniences of life would lead him to indulge in ease or to gratify his appetite and thus lessen his physical and mental strength. He subjected himself to privation and solitude in the wilderness, where he could preserve the sacred sense of the majesty of God by studying his great book of nature. It was an atmosphere calculated to perfect moral culture and to keep the fear of the Lord continually before him. John, the forerunner of Christ, did not expose himself to evil conversation and the corrupting influences of the world. He feared the effect upon his conscience 
that sin might not appear to him so exceedingly sinful. He chose rather to have his home in the wilderness where his senses would not be perverted by his surroundings. Should we not learn something from this example of one whom Christ honored and of whom he said, Among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is What Made Him Great. Still looking at the man whom Jesus called among all men to be the greatest, the man John the Baptist, we want to understand something about his life so that we can also learn lessons of what it is that God considers to be the quality of a man that makes him great. John the Baptist was not anyone to be reckoned with when you talk about the qualities, the qualifications that people get. In the days of John the Baptist, there were universities. There was a school in Alexandria, Egypt. That's where the Sadducees got their education from. Long before he was born, 400 years before he was born, that school already exists. Uh, about 400 years before he was born that, f- that school already existed a lot of Jews received their education from there and even in Jerusalem they still had their schools where the Pharisees received their education John didn't go to any of these schools but yet in the book of Luke chapter 7 verse 28 Jesus said for I say unto you among those that are born of women there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist So we need to examine this statement by our Lord Jesus Christ to understand why it is that of all men, he singled out John the Baptist as the one who is the greatest. Why did he say that? What is the measure of true greatness? Is it by association with the great men of the world? We read in our devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 276, paragraph 3, says, John the Baptist was not fitted for his calling as the forerunner of Christ by association with the great men of the nation in the schools of Jerusalem. He went out into the wilderness where the customs and doctrines of men could not mold his mind and where he could hold unobstructed communion with God. End of quote. So, If we want to think about what it is that makes a man great, we can cancel out the education received from the universities. That's not it. Jesus himself didn't have that. Neither did John the Baptist and neither did the 12 apostles of Jesus. They didn't have that. So, we we can know now that if we're looking at things from the perspective of divinity, from the perspective of God, what man values is not what he values. And Yesterday we read in our devotion the following words that from this day with God, page 26, paragraph 2, it says, It is not always the men apparently in possession of the greatest capabilities who have the most success in some lines of the work. The Lord uses so-called less capable men. They may not be eloquent, but if they are connected with God, He will richly bless them. They are rugged solid words coming directly from the heart are of great value and are appreciated by 
the Lord. End of quote. So, to the question, what is it that made John great? That can also make you and I great in the eyes of God. And that's a worthy ambition to have that statement said about you that you are great not by men but to be said by the lord jesus christ i want it to be said of me and i want it to be said of you too so it is our duty to study it to please our lord we should be hasting to please him we should scramble to do it it should be our desire it should be our love we should cherish it so our ears need to be attentive to hear our lord say this is what you will do and i will call you great Firstly, I would like to read from Conflict and Courage, page 276, paragraph 2. It says, What was it that made John the Baptist great? Here is the answer. He closed his mind to the mass of tradition presented by the teachers of the Jewish nation and opened it to the wisdom which comes from above. End of quote. Now, this is what will make you and I great, and we ought to be great. Jesus himself put it this way in the book of Matthew 5 verse 19 and 20. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So, looking at the Bible and the spirit of prophecy from what we just read, let us merge the two together. One says that what is it, what it is that made John great is that he closed his ears and his mind in general, which will mean his ears, his eyes, everything. So learn now, try to do it. Close your mind to the mass of tradition presented by the teachers of the world today, not just the Jewish nation. Close your mind and then open it to the wisdom which comes from above. And what is the wisdom that comes from above? Deuteronomy chapter 4, reading from verse 6, 7, 8. God said, here is your wisdom, the commandments of God and his statutes and judgment that whatever nation sees it will see what kind of nation is this that has, that has statutes and judgments and commandments so wise and so righteous as these ones. And Jesus himself said, this is the thing that makes anyone to be called great in heaven. And that is keeping the commandments and teaching others to do the same. Now, ask the question, is that what John the Baptist was doing? 100%. Remember his parents. The Bible record about them in Luke chapter 1, I think from verse 5 to 7 there, says that these people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, that they kept all the commandments of God and all his ordinances, they were blameless. And they trained their child to be like them. John the Baptist was one who in a widespread manner started a reformation in the land of judah preparing them for the kingdom of god and what was his preaching he wasn't going to do hebrew and greek and talking about proof text and 
Biblica, Hebraica, Stutagentia, and all those talking about this manuscript and that manuscript and talking about this Vulgate and that Vulgate. He wasn't talking about translating, transcribing Hebrew to Greek and he couldn't speak the Greek. He didn't know those things, but he knew one thing, the commandments of God. And he could call people to repentance. He could tell them, this is what the Lord says, prepare for the coming of the Lord. He could understand what was said in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. He did not know the way of studying the Bible that people say today when they go to the theological schools when they talk about whether it is the historical grammatical method or the or the strictly grammatical method. Any of those things, he did not know them. Do you think that it is those things that make you to be commended in the eyes of God? Do you think that it is by calling yourself pastor or calling yourself geo or calling yourself doctor or any of those other names, Doctor of Divinity, that will make you accepted in the eyes of God. No, no. We need to learn. This man, John the Baptist, the Lord said, this is him. He did not write one book. No book is after his name from Genesis to Revelation. His ministry lasted only a few short months. And then he was out of the picture. But Jesus said, this man is the one who is greater than all men that was born of a woman. So what does this mean? It means exactly what we read in our devotion. Close your mind to the mass of tradition coming from the teachers in the world and open it to the word of God. Ready to step aside? Let self step aside and let God come in. You see, it sounds very easy. To be great, like I've said now, is that we should keep the commandments of God. But how many of us can truly claim to be free from the customs, traditions and practices of the world? How many read the Bible and do exactly as it is written, as is written in it? We need to make our minds a wilderness. You know, we said we read that John went into the wilderness. Why? He wanted to ensure that he's not affected by the customs and traditions that was prevailing in his time we need to make our minds a wilderness where the customs and doctrines and traditions of men will not mold our mind and to have unobstructed communion with god in the wilderness of our mind reading from thoughts from the mounts of blessing page 51 paragraph 3 let us understand what jesus meant when he says this is what makes us great the keeping of the commandments now it says it is not the greatness of the act of obedience that constitutes sin, but the fact of variance from God's expressed will in the least particular. For this shows that there is yet communion between the soul and sin. The heart is divided in its service. There is a virtual denial of God, a rebellion against the law of his government. I'll continue the reading, but I just want us to link what we just read now with what was said concerning the communion with God. If we have unobstructed communion with God like John the Baptist, our minds will be closed to sin, closed to iniquity and the traditions of men. But when there is communion with our soul and even a departure from the word of God, uh, just in the least, if there is a departure from the word of God in the least particular, it shows that there is communion with the soul and sin. 
and we need to ensure that we do not have divided service. John the Baptist did not have a divided service. There was He didn't have the least communion between his soul and sin. Why? He was not affected by the customs and traditions of men. Continuing thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 451, paragraph 4. It says, Were men free to depart from the Lord's requirements and to set up a standard of, of duty for themselves? There would be a variety of standards to suit different minds and the government will be taken out of the Lord's hands. The will of man would be made supreme and the high and holy will of God. His purpose of love towards his creatures would be dishonored wherever, whenever men choose their own way, they place themselves in controversy with God. They will have no place in the kingdom of heaven, for they are at war with the principles of heaven. In disregarding the will of God, they are placing themselves on the side of Satan, the enemy of God and man. Not by one word, not by many words, but by every word that God has spoken shall man live. We cannot disregard one word, however trifling it may seem to us, and be safe. There is not a commandment of the law that is not for the good and happiness of man, both in this life and in life to come. In obedience to God's law, man is surrounded as with a hedge and kept from the devil. He who breaks down this divinely erected barrier at one point has destroyed its power to protect him, for he has opened a way by which the enemy can enter to waste and ruin. Do you you remember the story of Nehemiah? The commandments of God, when we were looking at the walls that were built, that is exactly what those walls are. The commandments. I, I take that again. It says, anyone who breaks down this divinely erected barrier, what's the divinely erected barrier? The commandments of God. If you break it at one point, he, he has destroyed the power of God to protect him. For he has opened a way by which the enemy can enter to waste and ruin. Oh, and the walls of Jerusalem will be broken down and all kinds of things will enter in. Even if it's just one loophole, it is that weak point that will bring about the, the crumbling of the whole wall. And continuing the reading, it says, By venturing to disregard the will of God upon one point, our first parents opened the floodgates of woe upon the world, and every individual who follows their example will reap a similar result. The love of God underlies every precept of his law, and he who departs from the commandment is working his own unhappiness and ruin. End of quote. You see, there are some who think that greatness is measured by being able to understand the so-called philosophies of the world and it is not about the commandment, it's all about your certificates. No, if you want to look at it from the perspective of man, then maybe you can say so. But with respect to God, you cannot say so. And I would also add, even with respect to man, because man doesn't even know what is good for him. He thinks that the man who is great is the one who has this qualification that one who achieves this great feat and all you hear people calling themselves great herod the great cyrus the great alexander the great all kinds of names they call themselves this the great that the great are they really great well by man's estimation but they are mistaken what is great about alexander what is great about cyrus alexander how did he die he drank himself to stupor is that greatness i beg to differ king cyrus what did he know Locked up Daniel, made a law, they tricked him. He couldn't even tell that they were doing that to him. Cyrus the Great, Darius the Great do the same thing. Or is it um, Nebuchadnezzar? He was even reduced 
for seven years behaving like an animal and how about the other people who we call great today all these things mean nothing Jeremiah 9 verse 23 let not the wise man glory in his wisdom neither let the mighty man glory or feel great because of his might let not the rich man feel great because of his riches but let him that glorious glory in this if anyone is great that he let it be because he knows that he understandeth and knoweth me that i am the lord that exerciseth loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight saith the lord and what does it mean to know god because here now we are well learning that to for anyone to glory god says it must be because you know me what does it mean to know god i'll always say it first john chapter 2 verse 3 hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments and what is the end result of knowing god of this keeping of the commandments of god john 17 verse 3 and this is life eternal that they might know thee the only true god and jesus christ whom thou hast sent what man is it that says he's great but yet he dies like a chicken this was how Solomon, re- he, he was wise enough to realize that he couldn't call himself great when he was examining and saying, oh, the fool is a foolish person. Look at how he's behaving. And the one who is slothful, lazy man, he will never get anything. But then later he realized, here I am calling this man lazy and calling this one a fool, but I'm going to die like the two of them. This is why Jesus asked the question in Matthew 16 verse, I believe 20. 526 he said what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul what benefit is it for alexander the great cyrus the great darius the great what benefit is it for any of them that after they have answered great 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 and solomon also in the end they die like chickens they die like the one who is not great they die like the fool they die like the slothful they die there's nothing brave there in the die in a death that is going to make you go eternally away there's nothing glorious about it some people like to make death look glorious oh he died while defending his country he died while this he died while that if you don't have eternal life your death is in misery and it is terrible it is not worth it only he who can exchange this present life for eternal life can have something to rejoice about it is he that can say i will glory in the lord but people today will want to look at philosophers and men of learning and say oh these are the great ones counsels to writers and editors page 175 paragraph 4 says call no man brilliant who has not the wisdom to choose the lord jesus christ the light and life of the world the excellence of a man is determined by his possession of the virtues of christ let us not look away from christ to sinful human beings the truth must be kept before the people the standard of purity temperance and holiness must be uplifted end of quote so i could say call no man great when he cannot choose the lord there's nothing great about the person and again reading from review and herald april 8 1873 1873 paragraph 5 it says the religion of the jews 
in consequence of their departure from God consisted mostly in ceremony. John was the lesser light, which was to be followed by a greater light. He was to shake the confidence of the people in their traditions and call their sins to their remembrance and lead them to repentance that they might be prepared to appreciate the work of Christ. God communicated to John by inspiration, illuminating the prophet that he might remove the superstition and darkness from the minds of the honest Jews which had been through false teachings for generations gathering upon them." End of quote. And now I've gone through this so that we can understand how it was that John was doing a great work. Remember the history we have gone through, we'll still look at it a bit in other devotions. How, because of the Hasmoneans, which is the same thing as the Maccabees, the Maccabeans, the truth had been distorted in the minds of the people. They were now expecting a Messiah that God did not promise. They were expecting someone that is going to be a king that will deliver them from the hands of Rome, like Judas, Maccabeus, Simon, John Hyrcanus, and Janius, all those people. That's what they were expecting. Superstition, tradition had blinded them. But John the Baptist did a great work. And the work he did was to speak the straight truth to them, shake the confidence of the people in their traditions. And this is the work we need to do today. There are so many traditional teachings in the world that cannot be substantiated with the word of God. It is our duty to do what John did, shake the confidence of the people in these traditions, call their sins to their remembrance and lead them to repentance so that they can be prepared to appreciate the work of Christ. If John did not do this work, when Christ came, it would have been more difficult for him. But John prepared the way. He let things get easy for Christ. He had already preached repentance to God and remission of sins. So that when Christ came into the picture, the people's mind were already, already ready to receive the words of Jesus. John broke up the fallow ground. And he didn't do it with soft words. He did it speaking very straightly to the people. You look at the ministry of Jesus, it wasn't like the way John did it. And there's a reason. Because John was breaking up the fallow ground for Jesus. Without his work, Jesus' own would have been more difficult. He prepared the people so that they can appreciate the work of Jesus. And this is what we must do. Direct the mind. There are many honest people out there, but they are loaded with lots of traditional teachings, false teachings, called um, customs that are not substantiated with God's word. And if we want to be like John the Baptist, we are to come and bring up these traditions and test them with the word of God and ensure that these things do not take up the minds of the people so that they can come out of the traditions and customs of the world and appreciate the truth. They can open their minds. To the wisdom that comes from heaven this is the work that we must do and basically when we do this like jesus said it is basically the same work of teaching others the commandments of god and keeping it yourself that's simply what it is and like we read in the spirit of prophecy close the mind to customs and traditions and teachings of men and open it to the wisdom of god and handle handle mighty subjects. What is the most mighty subject that anybody can handle? It is the cross, the handling of the subject of salvation. So many people think, oh, that when we discuss AI programming and then you discuss all things like nanotechnology, 
and then you talk about cloning and then you see people like noah harari who is so full of himself they they think that they're handling subjects that are mighty and then oh look at us we are here handling the bible were little people there was a man called alfred hutchins who was confronted with someone who was like noah harari and he was being talked to and the man said oh you are little people i want us to just see how this man answered the man, answered the person who called him a little man he says here in this day with god page 217 paragraph 3 down to 6 he says many think themselves wonderfully wise in understanding the sentiments of infidel writers but they will find that they are building upon a sandy foundation they are not building upon the solid rock brother alfred s hutchins was at one time riding in vermont and he met a lawyer well said the lawyer i understand that you are a seventh-day adventist yes well said he you are nothing but little men yes we know that said brother hutchins but we are handling mighty subjects it is by the study of these mighty subjects that we are trying to get the truth before the people end of quote so this is this is what we want the mighty subjects that will make men wise unto salvation just as soon as you begin to think you are big men and that you are so large that you can comprehend and pick out all that is precious in infidel authors and leave out all that is vile then you are wise above that which is written the devil is right by your side and the evil angels are there the devil is a great deal smarter than you are and you cannot see what he is driving at he will so cunningly interweave his sentiments with the thoughts of these writers that it will be impossible to distinguish the error which they contain if you want to be counted a wise man or a great man i say in god's eyes come right to the cross of calvary and i would say go out of there come out of these people's teachings the great men close your mind like john if you want to be counted a wise man in god's eyes come right to the cross of calvary and get the inspiration that comes from it and your name will be written as a wise man who built his house upon the rock end of quote so here is represented again what made john great this we need to understand that greatness does not constitute in us taking and listening and opening our minds to the things of this world and saying that oh we can sift it for ourselves john the baptist had the holy spirit but what did he do if there was anyone that could bear like we read in our devotion if there was anyone that could stay in the presence of false teachings and traditions and customs and be unaffected it's supposed to be him but this man filled with the holy ghost what did he make him do he closed his mind to the customs traditions and teachings teachings of the men of his time that is what it means to be great if you think that you are great and you can go and handle reading books of philosophers and watching videos and movies and you say oh i'm sifting out the good from the bad i am wise enough to do that you are playing with satan and as we read he's a great deal smarter than you are and you cannot see what he's driving at he will so cunningly interweave his sentiments with the thoughts of these writers and these movies too that it will be impossible to distinguish the error which they contain if you want to be great then do like john the baptist do not consider yourself great so that i can go and expose myself to error close your mind and i pray that the lord will give us the grace to close our minds and only open it to the wisdom that comes from heaven and build on the solid rock and contemplate the cross let us pray 
Thank you, dear Father, for teaching us your words today. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves so that we may be lifted up. Help us, Lord, to understand what true greatness consists in. Help us to indeed close our minds to the traditions and teachings of the men of today and open our minds to the wisdom from above. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and clay Some for honor and some for dishonor Some for honor and some for dishonor Therefore if Repent.